Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And I get to talk about two of my favorite things today, ESU services and instructional practices. And we're going to get a chance to explore some games in education. And so these are things that I'm just really passionate about and so grateful to Allison Smith of ESU 16. Uh, and Melissa Donahoe, uh, who is a business teacher and tech coordinator at Mullen Public Schools, for joining us for today's conversation. We're going to hear everything from kind of that ESU support level uh, all the way down to the implementation of these games in education conversations we've been having at the classroom level. So excited for it. Allison, Melissa, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Andrew. And so for people who don't know you, and I'll start with Allison, uh, can you give us a little bit of your backstory and the role that you serve in at ESU 16? Absolutely, Andrew. So I am the Teaching and Learning Director at ESU 16, who services 16 school districts. Uh, and Melissa? I am in my ninth year of teaching at my current school, Mullen Public Schools, which is also uh, where I grew up and went to school. And here I am the business teacher where I teach accounting, info technology, digital media, and anything else that comes along the way. And then I'm also the technology coordinator. And then I've been fortunate to be the business teacher leader for our PLC group in ESU 16. So two people that are wearing a lot of hats in their respective roles, for sure. And so as a part of that, uh, Allison, I know that you get the opportunity, as Melissa said, to support some of those PLC groups. And so can you start us off by talking a little bit about the backstory to this implementation that we'll come up with here later on in the episode, but talk specifically to those services at 16. Absolutely. So What we did is we did some reflecting on our current practices for professional learning and what we offered. What we noticed was we had basically where teachers would come to the service unit and we would have great professional learning, um, research-based, and then they would just go back to their classroom and then they would say, hey, okay, what does that mean for me now? So what we did is we did some reflection with superintendents and principals because what they were finding as well, that they were invested in the services we were providing, but they weren't seeing the transfer in the classroom because the teachers didn't have the time or they didn't have the resources to say, what does that mean for me and my content? And some of it wasn't applicable to all content. Melissa is probably thinking, yeah, you know, some of the um, opportunities we have doesn't really support my business degree or my business um, teaching. So what we did is we thought about what would it look like to bring more than teachers to us, right? And then what could we use and what could we leverage in terms of who could make that professional learning happen? So we brought all of our districts together, 13 of the 16, I should say, three times a year, which is about 450 educators. And what we did is we provided just a structure for them to be able to meet together. So we had all the business teachers together. We had all of the science teachers together, all of the first grade teachers together. And we we talked about you get to determine and personalize your professional learning in your professional learning community. So really what they thought about was what are our needs across all 13 districts? What are our challenges? What are we doing well? What are you doing well that I could learn from? Um, And so really they were um, reaching to the experts across the table, which are the people who do the same work as they do. So we just provide the opportunity for them to determine what it was that they wanted to focus in with each content level and grade level. 
And I so appreciate the depth to which you all at 16 are thinking about that. And I know that across the state, we do great work through simple and processes similar to that, where our service agencies are there to respond to those requests from the districts. Uh, and how, how great to think about that so specifically as to say, what does first grade need? What does second grade need? What does business at the secondary level need? Because those needs can look very different, as you noted there. And I, and I think you gave some great insights as to why. So along with that, then can you maybe, Allison, give us a couple uh, different examples too. So we're going to talk engagement because that's where this is going to go for uh, this particular group. But what, what were some of those topics that came out of first grade out of uh, secondary math, for example, just to kind of round out some of the different topics to illustrate that personalized piece. Right, right. So like, for example, at first grade, it was, hey, you know what, we do a lot of assessments, they have a lot of progress monitoring assessment, they do a lot of various assessments to determine how they move forward with kiddos. And so they talked about, hey, maybe we could have just a platform of what are the assessments that meet the needs of the kids that would help determine how I can become a better teacher so they're not just grappling for all these other assessments, right? So then they just came up with kind of this support system of what does the current assessment system look like for first grade teachers? That was one. Another one was a secondary science group struggled with having materials that aligned to standards and the current new standards. And so they came together and said, hey, what if we start building our curriculum together around high quality materials, looking at formative assessments to meet the needs of the standards? So the trick of it is, is that you do have 13 school districts that function very differently, which is wonderful. But then trying to find that common ground of what the needs are for each um, grade level and content is tricky. But this is a good thing. We all teach students right? And we all have similar needs at some sort. So for sure, personalized professional learning is the goal, which also has strengths and challenges to it too. Yeah. And I think those things are so important in a season in education where it has been emotionally challenging for edu classroom teachers, uh, given the demands of the present moment and really coming out of those various pandemic learning scenarios uh, for folks to feel recognized and to feel heard and to feel supported in the things that they can be passionate about and to be able to pour into their practices uh, in a way that reinforces and reinvigorates, I think, that sense of meaning that we get from being able to engage kiddos on a daily basis <laughs> and, uh, and know that they're learning and that we're making a difference. And so as you were alluding to there with regards to, I believe, like the common ground, Melissa, uh, I'm going to ask, why was it that the business group selected engagement versus other potential topics similar to the ones Allison mentioned? It's a great question, Andrew. And for us, when we all came together, the business teachers in our service unit all teach different classes and have different assignments. So some of us teach accounting, some of us teach computer hardware things or coding. So across the board, we were all doing different things. So it would have been hard to address curriculum in any one given topic. So we thought that engagement would apply to everyone and could benefit everyone as a whole. And with that, uh, and we had a chance to kind of connect around this particular topic, but uh, games in education was of particular interest to this group. Could you maybe speak to how that, because engagement is a pretty broad, I mean, you could everything from thumbs up to jigsaw activities to why, why games? So in our third year of exploring this mission of finding effective engagement strategies, we had kind of touched on 
a number of other things. So those things that you alluded to that, you know, maybe thumbs up, thumbs down worked good at this grade level, but not for my juniors and seniors or whatever. So we had already kind of addressed many of those common strategies. So we were looking to dive a little deeper and find something that would really engage our students. And, and we had found too that even though our, our topics were quite diverse, sometimes in business, they got kind of bland. So for example, many of us teach uh, Microsoft Excel. And as you go through that, that can really get grueling and the kids, you know, kind of lose their passion for Excel as much as we might have for it. So we needed something to step up our game a little bit. Yeah. And I was so grateful that I got the opportunity to connect with you all. I, okay. So I'm a third generation educator and I'm named after my dad and my grandfather who were both teacher coaches. My dad was a business teacher uh, and I loved getting a chance to learn from him both as a child, but then as I got early on in this profession, uh, to some of the things that he did. Because I do think that your discipline does allow itself to have some more game-based learning experiences, as listeners could probably imagine, right? With a, a potential uh, stock market game where we have fake money that we could invest and follow that and track progress and learn how that works from the actual act of playing. And so those kind of like situational game-based learning things can come up at different times. But your implementation was something that really looked really fun. Uh, and you shared some of those pictures over in your story, which is why I really wanted to get have some space today on the pod to talk about it. So uh, from what we had a chance to chat about, where did that kind of hit your uh, curiosity uh, and then your ability to then carry that into to your classroom? I would say that your experience, like you mentioned, and being able to connect with a business teacher in your dad was super helpful for us. We all talked about how, you know, we've been to conferences and workshops and speakers and scene presenters that talked about things, but then we were like, how do I bring that to Infotech? That sounds awesome for language arts, or that sounds awesome for math. That tool would be great. But we just could not see the vision of how to apply it in our classrooms. And that has happened more than we wanted to talk about. So having that connection in you to make it a more just general engagement piece was so powerful for us. So then from there, you know, you shared a lot of tools with us and then not only said, hey, here's a site where you can make your own game cards, but let's look at it. And then we can actually practice creating some and then talking through maybe first you start with thinking of what theme do you want and your theme needs to be relevant to what the kids are super into right now, whatever that might be, maybe it's pop culture or maybe it's, you know, something specific to your school, but you just need to find something that's going to hook them, use that as your theme. And then from there you start to make the pieces. So that was kind of where I started. And at first it was super overwhelming. And had we not met with you those couple of times in our PLC groups, I don't think I would have had the courage to, to break it down and actually try it. So why don't you take us back to maybe just the theme that you selected and start to then from there, get into some of the nuances of what that implementation looked like. Okay. So over um, numerous, just kind of brainstorming sessions with myself, really, I, I work best if I 
just start writing things down. So the first thing I had to decide was on a theme and I thought, let's be explorers. Why not? I have no idea why that's what stuck, but okay, we're going to have an explorer theme. So to me, that was like camping, hiking, we'll go with that. So then I thought, okay, so if we're camping and hiking, then we need to progress somehow. And I was going to apply this to my Microsoft Access unit. So within the unit, then it's broken down into five, we'll call them chapters. And then each chapter has a number of sections. So I was like, okay, so virtually we, all of these sections are stops along a path. And then when we finish a chapter, we're like camping, right? So we'll be in a tent and then we'll stay there for the night and move on to our next break spots, I guess we'll call it for each section. So then I thought, okay, we're going to climb a mountain. And that's kind of where we got. So I thought, now we have a path. What are we actually going to do? And how am I going to keep them excited moving along that path? So one of the things that I created were these game cards that you told us about a site. And I thought, okay, what are these game cards even going to, how is this going to play out? So I ended up within our unit, there were three different types of activities. There's text activities, lab activities, and video activities. So I had three different categories of cards. What are we going to put on these cards? So I had to think of like, what are the kids going to get excited to earn or what do they want? And even as sophomores, I have found, and you know, I talked to a couple of them without really alluding to what we're doing, but you know, some of those things that we may have thought were elementary incentives, such as you get to pick a sticker. They are all about. Um, so I had to think of all these things that and not reject anything. So again, that was my brainstorming. I was writing down a million different things. So lab cards are a certain category of things. So such as if you complete a lab, one of the biggest hits is you get 10 free minutes on your phone. So they would draw from the deck of cards of the lab cards. And if they wanted to redeem it right then, they would, or they would hold on to it till later. So I have had some kids who have accumulated enough minutes on their phone. They're like, they hand me five cards and say, I'm going to be on my phone all class period today. <laughs> okay, great. You've done your work to get here. So I guess that's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> some other things have been, you get to write your name on a star and put it anywhere in the classroom which that has been huge for the other classes in creating buzz. Cause when they walk in here, they're like, what are all these stars? What did this student do that they got to put their star in the middle of the clock? Awesome. <laughs> there it is. We always see their name. Uh, okay. So then other things that they can earn that five minutes outside, they get to sit at the teacher's desk, which at first I thought was another one of those going to be so elementary. And they're fighting to turn that in when they come in each day. They can sit in a comfy chair so they can move out their regular computer chair and sit in this comfy chair for the day. What else? I, I got a crown so you can trade in your card to wear the crown for the day, which was huge. Um, and they were kind of leveled up. Like, so the text activities were maybe like, put your name on a star and the lab was the free minutes of class. So they were kind of based on the difficulty of the activity. Okay, and so two things that I would love I to point out about. Part. What's I that? Forgot one main part. I forgot one what? main part. So to get them started, they got to create their camper or their explorer that they were actually going to take. And we have a huge, I don't know what, it's like three foot by four foot 
path that were traveling up this mountain. So they had to make their explorer that they would actually then use to move at each stop. So they made their bitmojis and they had to dress in camper attire and then we printed them. And so now they move those along each path too. So that's been fun to have a physical thing rather than, you know, not just a checklist. They do have that too, but that they're moving and they can see amongst each other. There's been some competition of who's going to be first. And then also for the other classes too, right? What is this? Why don't we get to do something like this? Who is this Bitmoji? It looks like so-and-so and they're winning and it has been great. Uh, well, to point to some of those things that uh, are worked into your game, I'd say like this, I guess, I had a chance to be exposed at one point in time to Bartle's gamer types. So you can Google that if you want to like do a deeper dive on it. But essentially what those gamer types convey is to say that different things motivate different people to partake in a game. Uh, and I heard it in your example there, Melissa, in that in Bartle's four types uh, are explorers which are those people who are interested in just what's around the corner, what's this new thing, like even drawing a card, <laughs> like it plays into that. There's a socializer, which is part of Bartles as well, uh, where people just have the opportunity to connect, collaborate, uh, to go on an adventure uh, with others and, and that there's an energy that comes with that. There are achievers and those gold stars around the room with their name on it is certainly representative of that gamer type and something that would be appealing to those individuals. And uh, the last of those, and excuse me for this in education setting, this is typically more for video games, is that there are killers and you're like, well, that sounds terrible. Okay. Uh, what we're talking about there though, is people who want to be victorious over other people in a definitive way. I want to wear the crown. I want to sit in the chair. I want to have the comfy seat. Uh, and I want to be the first person up the mountain. Like those types of scenarios that you're providing for your students are going to be appealing to those learners who are of that type, right? And, and none of us are one of those exclusively. Usually you kind of fall in between a few of them. But it's great to see this like level of intentionality in your design that you've incorporated all of those so that you can reach all the different types in your classroom and everyone can feel really motivated by that. And that certainly plays into the, the aim of engagement here. And uh, the, the cards I love because that's an entirely different currency. And I think sometimes, you know, when the only currency we have in a class is for you to move a couple percentage points up in your grade, it's hard to stay motivated. And so by creating that alternative extrinsic piece, uh, it just adds entirely different layers. So I'm going to ask a question then to say, how did those pieces, because um, it's fun to talk about, what did you see from the students? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I would love to add a bit about the currency. So that created a whole new thing in the classroom that I could have never even predicted. So it's so interesting. I spend the whole class period with my different stacks of types of cards, like I'm at the bank. And they come up and they exchange and we draw. And then because they don't want to trade something in, right? So I've ran out of text cards and they're like, well, why can't we make more text activities? So then we had this huge conversation about what happens when the government decides to print more money? What happens to what's there? So we even, we even have talked about inflation and the printing of money and I told him, I feel like I'm just standing up here with my dollars waiting for you guys to come cash stuff in. And they have, I didn't mention that they have like an exchange card too, so they can go and they can present it to someone and they have to trade a card with them, whoever it is. And so they get to pick whatever card that they have 
that they want. So if they had a five minutes on their phone or 10 minutes on their phone that they've been hoarding and I bring my exchange card over, it's been like, no, you can't have that one. So there's been lots of interesting conversations in that regard too. Well, okay, so I want, I want to press into that then because I do feel like students end up influencing some of the subtleties of the game too. So what were some ideas that your students brought? And it, it's important when you have these experiences to give students the voice and agency to be able to help evolve those uh, game practices. That is a great question because I've asked them a s several times now since we've been going, like what would be some other things that you would be excited about earning? And they, you know, I've hit most of them pretty well. Of course, all of them are like food. We need something that's food. <laughs> And I, being in the computer lab for class, I'd like, I knew that that would be a big one, but I purposely excluded it. So we're, I'm going to have to figure out something like that. So, so that it'll be, you know, maybe in your five free minutes, you can eat a bag of chips or whatever it is. Um, they want something where the whole class has to participate. So if they draw this card, everybody has to hop up and do whatever not just for themselves. And then they want some punishments too. Like if you draw this card, you have to stand for the day. And they think those would be particularly exciting too in the exchanges, because if they draw a punishment card, then they're like, oh, now you thought you were going to get something good because you forced me to trade, but now you have to do something that might not be so great. And then another thing that we've pulled out is in the lab activities, there is a degree of difficulty in the lab activities too. So some of them you can redo, like you try that, try to do whatever, such as creating a query a certain way. And if you don't get it right, you can get help and they'll walk you through it or you watch another video and then you can redo it. Okay, so that's one type of lab activity. But in another one, you don't get any help. And then, then it's just scored at the end and then they tell you what you did wrong and you can redo the whole thing. So they have said, you know, there needs to be, the cards need to reflect that level of effort too. That was going to be a question I had. Sometimes when students get so motivated by these extrinsic pieces that they rush the learning portion of things and you hate, you don't want that to happen, right? That's not the aim of it. And so it's good to hear. And I guess I should say, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that the need to have those conversations came up. Uh, and so, yeah, anything else to kind of round that out? Yeah, that, that definitely happened. And especially like if it's a video activity, instead of actually listening to it, they're letting it play on their computer while they're shuffling their cards or having their five free minutes on their phone. And then they come up and say, we need to check this off. So I did have to figure out and kind of get to know where each person was and what topic they're supposed to be on to be able to kind of do a spot check question. So you were just talking about queries, show me real quick, you know, how do you do it with the wizard or whatever. And I love that you persevered as a teacher through that portion of things. Cause I've heard some people say, well, it stopped working here. And so then we just didn't do it anymore. And teaching is an art and the implementation of these creative things are going to uh, lead you to a place where you have to kind of rethink some of those steps. But it sounds like uh, you were able to build out some uh, accountability measures in there that, that would just make sure that that learning piece wasn't glossed over. Uh, and so that's really a very savvy move. I like that. Um, what else would you kind of share uh, about round one, really, right? First iteration of it. Yeah, so um, lots of lots of things to learn, <laughs> and I have many notes about what I'll do differently. But one thing I just should have added with the cards too is I, there were a few in there where they they have to teach the class 
their latest activity. And so of course they're all wanting to sit on those. Um, so I'm having to, you know, at the start of the class, I know about everyone has at least one of them. So we go around and say, okay, we're going to just come around real quick. And you guys are going to show us something that someone else hasn't already showed us because we we've learned enough about how to make a table. We've all got that down. So you need to show us something different. So not only are they getting the input from the videos and the text activities in the lab, but from a classmate too, which maybe they're explaining it in a different way or going a different way about doing it. You know, I always knew that there were like a million ways to save something in access, but it's so funny to me that this year they're all saving the same way in a way that I had no idea that you could even do. And now that's just like how they save. So they're learning from each other. And I would say just the primary takeaway would be to be constantly trying to assess for effectiveness, where it's lacking, what we're missing, and try to pivot in the moment and improve that. And be honest with the kids of like, okay, we're trying this. This is what I think is going to happen. How's that going? Did that fail completely? Or was this a good one? Oh, Melissa, and that's the art of teaching. I absolutely yeah. love that. Yes. Allison, go ahead. I can tell you're reacting like I am. Too. I am I am like, I have goosebumps and I just keep on wanting to be like, yes, sister, yes. <laughs> um, so for me, I'm like, this is exactly what we want for personalized learning. And I can just see her passion. Your, your passion just exudes of you're so excited about what the kids are seeing. And they're like kind of leaning in on their own learning while you're adapting to that. Like, I love that thought of this isn't the one tech tool they're all going to do. I mean, you've provided choice. You've allowed for them to kind of go off on their own path, which comes with like a lot of organization, a lot of, like you said, in the moment checks in with them. This isn't like a free for all in allowing that, like a little sitting in discomfort or a little bit of this not chaos, but I kind of call it organized chaos of you're all doing something different and I have to be okay with letting that go and happen and organically like starting to learn, right? You're just so responsive with that, Melissa. And I think that just goes to show, like you said, the art of teaching with the resources that the kids are like gravitating and wanting in their learning. So kudos to you. Um, Yeah. Phenomenal. Love it. Yeah. And I, I think I alluded to this earlier, but I, I read an article recently that burnout leads to bore out, that essentially you get so tired that you don't feel like you have the energy to follow through with the creative, cool, awesome idea that you would love to see input. And then when you stop doing that, it's hard. It's really hard then to like derive those feel good vibes that come from the excitement and challenge of doing something new and having to be on your toes. Like you're talking about Melissa in the moment to like, listen, pivot, adjust, and, and, and things that, that are invigorating as an educator, because you do feel like you're on your game at that point. Did you feel some of that? You're nodding as we're talking here for those that, that can't see that. Absolutely. And I can, I, that has totally been me too, of before of like overwhelmed to, there's all these things that I could be doing, but I cannot take the time to get this ready to go. Yes, that would be great. We've been doing it this way for a couple of years. So we're just going to keep doing it. And, you know, we've checked the box that we have it covered. So that has totally been me. And not that I had any more time this time than any before. Maybe I just had 
the courage and then the time um, in our PLC to kind of bounce that off and to have your input of how to get the ball rolling and the, and the tools all in one place. So I didn't have to go out and find all of the stuff to even think about getting started. Well, and I think that kind of dovetails to something we talked about before we started recording today. And that is, if you had a little bit of a call to action, what you might share with other people. And I'm hearing that and what you're saying there, Melissa, maybe just, uh, what does it take to, to get started? What does it take to try? That is a great question. And really, that's all it is. Just a commitment to try it. I had no idea what was going to happen. And with this group of kids, they could have bought in or they could have totally shut me down and all of my excitement in the world to move their little bitmoji from one tent to another may not have worked for them, but it did. It was something new. And I was honest with them from the beginning too. Of like, we're going to try this. We're going to see what happens. You guys are going to let me know what you think and we'll make changes as we go. But either way, we have to cover this stuff. So why not try it? Oh, and Allison, is that not the same thing that we're doing with the personalized piece with the PD, right? We're going to try something. We're going to let it grow where it goes. We're going to respond. Go ahead. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just thinking about. What Melissa is creating in her classroom is like big picture hopes and dreams of exactly what the PLC and intentions are of being able to take it and personalize it and being okay to say, Ooh, this is kind of messy. We don't know quite yet where we're going, but let's try this. And when it works, that's amazing. And when it doesn't, we pivot and change and morph it into something better and like lean on each other, lean on the experts in the room. Like you just said with the kids too, like, I'm going to lean on you. You tell me kind of the, the path we're going to choose. Same thing with a PLC. I'm leaning on the experts. They are the ones in the room. Like look at Melissa and sharing her story. That's what's amazing. You have the rest of the business teachers to go and say, hey, let's try this together. Or this is what, what happened. Tell me now what you think we should do or what are some ideas? And then they can take from and learn from you as well. Yeah, exactly how I want to revamp professional learning. I would tack on there too with our business teachers. I just... It's the most awesome group of people there. Every time we meet, everyone is eager to contribute whatever they can. We bounce ideas off of each other. This worked, this didn't work. And, you know, anytime someone is struggling, we can send an email and we get authentic responses. And that was huge. Um, Andrew, you mentioned earlier too about through the pandemic and, and for our small schools, particularly in the business department, we are an island. We are the only ones in our school. So we don't have somebody to bounce ideas off of. So this group was awesome. But then through the pandemic, when we had to change everything we were doing for our classes, as did everyone, this was a powerful group then for support to work through that also. And can I add into the teacher leaders? Each group has at least two to three teacher leaders, and they are so pivotal in this process too, because we lean on them and their expertise to drive exactly what Melissa is speaking to. So kudos to, uh, we're so thankful that they can drive the learning too, and the professional learning that they bring in, like Andrew across the state. Well, kudos to you both, because you know what, this is the kind of positive conversations we need to be having in education. There's so much about uh, and I understand because it is important that teacher retention is a struggle at this moment and that there are 
a lot of things that are sitting heavy on our hearts and minds and education. But you know what? Like these things are happening too. And it's happening in our state and it's happening because we're better together and through our collective efforts of support. Um, so grateful to both of you for your advocacy, for your willingness to try new things and to listen uh, and be responsive to those needs because it just has led to a really awesome opportunity for us to take a snapshot of one place in which this is happening, as I'm sure it's happening all over our state. But uh, uh, so great to be able to showcase that uh, in your efforts and to share. So thank you both for your time uh, and for all that you're doing in service to your districts and the kiddos that you have the opportunity to, to work with. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for the time and the voice to get to share our stories too, in, in hopes of maybe we can impact farther than just where we are, our classrooms or our PLC or however big that might be. 